We have a special morning. We just want to uh, celebrate the fact that um, we had a pastor's retreat up in Pennsylvania, and the prayers of the body have been answered, I'm sure, just by the oneness we had and the joy we had. And uh, maybe if you were a pastor and you attended that, would you just stand up if you were there, up there in the Poconos? Okay, yeah, there we go. We had a good time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, We also have some guests here from Finland, also from uh, Chile. Uh, Tonight, Pastor Diaz is going to share the word. He's uh, the pastor in Rancagua, uh, Chile. Also, Pastor Kimo is going to give greetings uh, we have also a Free Grace Alliance uh, conference Monday, Tuesday, I think Wednesday morning. Uh, Tuesday night, I get to speak there, so I wanted to let you know that. It's just so if you want to attend, you are welcome. They called me, and or I called them. We talked, and they said, yes, if people would like to come. So you can check, and we'll give you that info now. But if you are interested, just get in touch with us. Uh, we also have uh, the state police with us here this morning for good reason. For good reason this time. Yeah. You know, this time is for good reason. Uh, it is Faith in Blue weekend across the country where churches are honoring the um, jurisprudence system in our country, the court system, the police, the state police, all the agencies that help protect us and keep our society free and uh, healthy. And so um, we are a church and we are sheep. Everybody bah like a sheep. Bah, bah, bah. What are sheep? With our sheep. They are not wolves. Like sheep need a shepherd. And we do real good following our shepherd. That's amazing. Uh, But there is also in this dangerous world, we have wolves. One time I was in Moscow, Russia, and the taxi driver that picked me up, we started to talk. And I said, how's life going for you? And he said, not good. I said, why? He said, because i got to be a wolf. I have to be a wolf to survive. And I started to get nervous. (laughs) And he said, what about you? And I said, well, I'm a sheep. (laughs) And you could let me out at the next corner. All right, so in our service this morning, we are sheep listening to God's word. And also, we want to give a lot of respect to the fact that these men are, are in the business of serving. And they are believers, and uh, they go, it goes together. They're jobs, professional men that are doing something for us. I want to make a point to you and... First Timothy chapter 1, and Pastor Barnes, uh, who's the chaplain for the Maryland State Police, is going to come up and say a few words to us. 
But I want you to notice here, 1 Timothy chapter 1, that the law is good, verse uh, 8, 1 Timothy 1, 8. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. What is it for? The law is not made for a righteous man. In one sense, the context here is when we are sheep, we don't need the, the law like we have another, we have something more than law. We have love. Love it actually fulfills the law. We have, we have something more. We have the spirit of God in us, the mind of Christ in our hearts. We have, we have a calling. We have something high, higher, so we're going to speak about that today. But I want you to see what the law does. The law is given for the criminals. It's for them, verse 9, for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers. Question, are there murderers out there? Are there criminals? Are they bad people? Yes, they are. Let's not be naive. Life out there can be tough. God, God has led these men into this profession for our good, to protect us, to help us live a civilized life, to assemble, to pray for them, to carry on, to respect the laws of our country, to live a good life, a godly life, to love each other. So we are, we are uh, recognizing that this weekend and, and just thanking them for their service and realizing that many times they're in a place of danger and they're doing that for us, for the greater good, and we appreciate it. Um, I want to introduce to you some, uh, a pastor in fin- uh, who lives and pastors in Finland. Um, this um, few days, we've had three. We have three Finnish pastors here: uh, Tero and Kimo and Eku, and they mean a lot to me. These these men who are men of faith, men of God, and we have been together a long time, long time. So they, they mean a lot. You know, I'm so thankful what they do, uh, how they teach, how they preach, how they minister, how they care about people. And so uh, Eku was here last time like 25 years ago. He decided not to come so often that we would not wear out his welcome. No, I'm joking. Yeah, 25 years, and we met, it was in 1987. I think he was 16 years old. So you can do the math. He's an old, old man now. All right, so friendship in Christ. Isn't that amazing? That we are friends forever, Jonathan and David. Huh? Isn't that amazing? Uh, after the 11, uh, 9 o'clock service, I'm looking out on the patio, and I just see people uh, sitting there, and they just enjoy being together. 
They love each other. And it was like our pastors up in Pennsylvania, uh, 150 men, and you couldn't, uh, you know, they just are, are like being together. And behold, how good and how pleasant when brethren dwell together in unity, their God has commanded a blessing. And I feel that about our church. I'm so thankful for it. And I'm very thankful. Uvascula, Finland is where Pastor Eku lives with his wife, wonderful woman of God, and their, their family and their faith and their vision. So he's going to just come up and give greetings and share a word with us for a few minutes. So welcome him. So great to see you all. And greetings uh, from our church, from Uvascula. Everybody in the church are sending greetings to you. Next time, I think I will come to visit here 2045. <laughs> <laughs> Many times I tried to come here, but I ended up to Texas for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> Well, um, I wanted to tell some key takeouts uh, from the men's uh, leadership retreat. One thing uh, that uh, I was thinking that we can finish well. Um, when we are doing our Christian service, there might be times that we feel that it's time to quit or slow down. And that's something that we should not do. But we should finish well. And that brought to my mind uh, Psalm 117. I will read it to you. And be glad that I'm not reading 119 to you. <laughs> Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love toward us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. The love of God and the grace of God, is, they are fresh and they are here and now with us. And they will remain forever. And I think that there are times in, in our personal lives, uh, in our family, in our nation, when we are facing challenging times. And in those times, I think it's good to remind our mind uh, why the church is here, why we are here. And I think that we are here to share uh, the gospel of grace to minister people. And sometimes it's so easy to be sidetracked uh, with so many things, and uh, we start to think all kind of other things, and we might even forget that we have all this, what God has given us. We are not here alone. God is with us always. He provides us. He leads us. And uh, we can trust in him in every matter. So I'm thankful to see you all, and uh, God bless you.
Great. Thank you. Wow. Beautiful. Wow, is that good? Oh, what precious. Wow. So I'm going to share a profound, short message with you that we shared with the pastors up in Pennsylvania. And it's from 1 Samuel chapter 25. So turn there with me to 1 Samuel 25. Maybe you need to change your position. How about it? You want to stand up for a moment and turn around and greet everybody around you. Get refreshed. Tell them, tell your neighbor what you just heard from Pastor Eku. Okay, you may be seated. Okay, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 8. This will be our key verse for our lesson. Have any of you ever been really angry and lost your temper? Huh? Have you? Have you ever been angry with somebody in your family, a family member? But you were quiet about it, but it kind of boiled up in your heart. Or you got angry with a teacher at school? Or how about somebody you worked with? And maybe your anger was justifiable. Maybe they shot at you with an arrow of slander. Maybe the people we work with or that we might live with are proud and arrogant. It might happen to you and me. So we have the problems on the outside that may provoke us in the flesh. How many of you know what the flesh is? Okay, could if you are in the flesh right now, would you stand up? <laughs> oh, ah, Mrs. Hadley, Pastor John, oh my gosh. Okay. In one sense, we are in our flesh, we are in our bodies, and that is our flesh. Then there is the other meaning, and that is our sin nature. That is an enemy of God, that is proud and reactionary, boastful, lustful. Uh, so we have chapter 7, verse um, 8 and 9. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning. Did you understand that? How something ends, not how it begins, but how does it end? Where does it go? How does it end? Remember that saying on the billboards, what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas? How many airplane flights that go to Las Vegas with a lot of excited people? And how many return? Better is what, the beginning of the trip or the end of the trip, right? 
which is better, where it goes, how it ends up, right? How come you all got so quiet suddenly? <laughs> how did he know we were in Las Vegas? <laughs> okay, relationships, where does it go? How does it begin is great. We hope it is great, but we also hope it ends up great. How about life? How it starts could be a, a teenage dream in my teens, in my 20s, in my 30s, how great it goes. But how does my life end up, right? So I need God. I, that's the lesson here, I think. Verse 8, better is the end of a thing than the beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Now, our lesson is about David. This is what we shared at the pastor's retreat, and it's in 1 Samuel 25. David and his men, there were about 400 men. I'm going to paraphrase it for you, break it down real simple. That David and his 400 men were, he was not yet king. He is still young. They have been in a cave with men that were in distress and in debt and discontented. Men came to David as he was in the cave, writing psalms, worshiping God, knowing God in a personal way. David is a man of God, but he's young. Men have gathered to be with him because when you are godly, people are attracted to you. When you are godly, people are attracted to your joy, your kindness, your silence, your purpose, your sense of direction. When you are godly, you walk with God, and this happened with David. And I hope it is happening with you in some measure for all of us. So I'm going to draw a picture of David. I stayed up all night practicing. What do you think? Oh, yeah. One of the state troopers who was here in the 9 o'clock service said, Wow, you are an artist. I love the pictures. Okay, so here's David. We're joking, okay? Okay. Um, and his men are protecting... Um, um, a landowner, sheep herder, a wealthy man with 3,000 sheep, 1,000 goats. David and his men are somehow like they are present to help them, protect them. And when the festival time comes, David sends a message to the owner and saying, We're, it's a fe festival time and anything you want to give to us, uh, we'll take it. And the man countered. I said, who is David? That's chapter 25 and verse 10. Nabal answered David's servants and said, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? It's like, he is a nobody. I don't know who he is. There are be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Maybe Nabal had heard that David is running from Saul. 
broke away from Saul. There was another message there in Nabal's mind, and he had no respect for David. David reacted. And he said to his men, put on your swords. Verse 13. David said unto his men, gird on every man his sword. They girded on every man his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. So we have a attitude here, an attitude of uh, making things right or an attitude of uh, some kind of um, revenge or some, somehow he's offended, somehow he's after uh, this thing that in his mind is wrong. In David's mind, it is wrong. But who he's dealing with is a evil man. It's in chapter 25 and verse um, 3. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings. Two words. He's churlish which is like old English, isn't it? We don't even know. We'd never use that. When was the last time you told somebody, you are churlish? <laughs> it means that the Hebrew word uh, cruel, grievous, hard, heavy, impudent, obstinate, prevailed, rough, sorrowful, stiff-necked, stubborn, in trouble. General definition, the context, we understand this guy is not a good guy. He's an evil man. And sometimes we react to the evil that is in the world around us. And we might say it is justifiable. And not only could it be from a bad person, but it could also come from a good person who's having a bad day. Maybe even our family member, maybe our wife, or in the church. When, when we shared this message, one of the pastors in the meeting started to cry. Well, I started weeping, and he talked to me after. And he said, that message hit me. Because I have a problem at the church with a woman teaching Sunday school, and um, I reacted in anger, and um, it's not good. I just reacted to her, and I said, yeah, I understand. I'm happy if the message helped, because David is going to go do business. It's almost like on this level right here, like, like this level. I've got a problem. I'm moving in this level. But I have to realize that, that there's more in my life than this thing. There's more. There's God in our life. God is in our life. And we have to choose our battles. And if you choose this one, it might not go well. It might get more, more difficult, might be more. And this is... The story of our lives, 
because we've all done it. We've all kind of gotten into the horizontal life in such a way that it leads us and moves us and we find ourselves trapped. We're in, we're in something more. We, I'd never thought it would end up like this. I didn't know. And I don't really want to, want to I just, it's just a general statement. I don't know how it applies to you. But I know generally, like as human beings, all of us have this in our lives. We can be so reactionary. We can say such the bad things. We can hate somebody. Uh, we can try to do business with it, try to make it right. And this is what uh, David was thinking. He goes, it is wrong. I want to make it right. It's wrong. I would like to make it right. And so he does this. Here's the lesson. Abigail. Abigail gets wind of it. It's chapter 25 in verse, um, where are we? Verse 14. One of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife. Now, here's a little lesson about Abigail. What kind of husband does she have? Churlish. Churlish husband. Evil, evil husband. But does that husband make Abigail evil? Imagine, Abigail is a godly woman, discerning and wise, and she's married to an evil man. But the evil man doesn't make her an evil woman. There we go. That's a good thought, isn't it? And like, like we need to realize that, that we walk with God. And the world we live in is not going to make us evil. Because we walk with God. And there are people like that in your life. They are godly people, and God sends them to you. Watch, here's our picture, and Abigail has beautiful hair and a very pretty dress. And she comes to David to intercept. She comes as a counselor. She comes into his life, and she's going to help him. And she's a, she's a woman, and she is a good woman, and she's a wise woman, and God sent her. And she talked to David, and the story is there in the text. Verse 14, one of the young men told her, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. And she, he tells her, and look at what she does just to shorten my message, and I hope you can follow it with me to hit the main point here. Abigail made haste, verse 18. Abigail was quick. She already, she already knew what was going on. She made haste. She didn't even have to take counsel. She had it already in her heart. She knew what to do. I got to go out to David. I got to stop him. 
I'm going to bring the the raisins and the fruit and the wine and the and the meat, and I'm going to go and I'm going to apologize that I failed David, and that my my husband is nuts. Don't bother with him. Don't bother with him. Don't come down to his level. Let it go. You, 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 David, you have a high calling. You have something more in your life. You got something God has called you to fight God's battles. And this is not your battle. And she did that. She told him that. And he heard her. Listen to this. Humility is able to hear counsel. And humility is a big part of your life. Your new life is characterized by your ability to hear maybe something different from what is in your heart. Maybe something that is in your heart, you're going to go deal with this thing. But humility says to, you know, God, God, if you're sending this person and I'm hearing them, then I'm going to turn around. I'm not going that way. Because I hear you. Hold your horses. Hold it. That's the lesson. What a good one. There are times in the Bible when God will use a woman to tell you God's mind. And of course... It's not really an issue of men and women. It's a matter of God. Who does God use to speak to? Who does God speak through? Psalm 8 says even children. As Psalm 8 says, out of the mouths of babes, he has perfected strength. That a child could tell you God's mind. Are you humble enough to hear what God is saying to you and me in the course of our lives? That's why church is so important in our life, because it is here where maybe I will hear something that will help govern my life and lead me in the way that I should go. And that I will learn to hear and embrace it. It's called the engrafted word in James 1. So a godly man is blessed because he meditates on the word of God day and night in Psalm 1. There's so much to hear from our Bible. And we are in a church by God's grace and in a ministry where the Bible is open. And we are hearing what the Lord has to say to us. Has your life ever been intercepted by God in his counsel? One person in the back. Uh, at least there's one. Okay, has your, let me repeat it and give you a chance to say it to your neighbor. Have you ever had your life intercepted by somebody like Abigail? Or in the, in the, in the ministry of Christ with his disciples? When he's leading them and teaching them? And they could go their way, but he would just kind of, we're going to Jerusalem. And they go, no, Lord, don't go there. And he, he goes, no, Peter. No, he didn't use the word Peter, by the way. What did he say? 
No, Satan. Get behind me, Satan, didn't he? But it was Peter. Peter, because, no, Lord, my name's Peter, not Satan. And Jesus Jesus said, at the moment, it's Satan. Okay? It's not on your birth certificate, but it is in my mouth. Okay? That's an example of being led by bad counsel. Being led in what you feel you should do and you and I should do. That's, by the way, the proverb says, a fool uh, is led by his own heart. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. And you know a thing by how it ends, not how it begins. Christ is on the cross, but how's he end up on a throne? In our lives are hard to figure out, but I'm just giving a lesson for all of us. And that is that we pray that the Lord would send an Abigail at times when I'm running wrong, when I'm running wrong, and help me to have the humility to hear her and make a decision and turn back. And fight the battles of the Lord. Look at chapter 25 and we'll finish. She said, uh, it's 18 down through verse 21. David said, surely in vain have I kept all. No, he's still angry. Let's see. She saw him in verse 23, fell at his feet. 24, apologized. And she begged him, and then where do we have it? Verse 32. Blessed David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent you this day to meet me. And blessed be your advice. I want to ask the men here today in the church, if your wife told you to do something, would you do it? It is hilarious. Yeah, we, we, yes, if it's God's mind. Yes, I would obey. I would follow my wife. I, we would be together. Yes, if I, if I was. On the other hand, can I lead my wife? Can I lead my wife? My wife and I have this thing. She goes, you know, if you left the church, I would not. And you told me to stop going to the church. I would not obey you. I will be obey you in every way possible, but I, I, you cannot tell me to leave the church. I will go to the church. And I said, um, I would let you go if you would make me my favorite Sunday dinner. <laughs> I would let you go if you would. No, I'm talking from experience. Not my, not my marriage, not my marriage in particular. But I don't think that's right, that a man would forbid his wife to go to church. I don't understand that. I have a conscience. I have to stand before God with my conscience without my wife. And if I'm a woman, then without my husband, I have a conscience before God. How can I overreach that? Tyrants do that. I cannot do that. The woman should say, 
no, honey, I need to go to church. I'll be a happier wife if you let me go to church. And by the way, I think you should go with me. And we could have it. And I, I would like you to get saved. I'd like you to know Jesus. I'd like you, if you are saved, then I'd like you to walk close to Jesus. Let's go to church. We can sit together, hold hands together if you want to. Have dinner, lunch afterwards together. Have a good life together. Come on. Come on. Like he's insecure or troubled or whatever it is. I'm trying to say that it's not always clear. Things are not always right and wrong. I want to put in here something very good, very good point. The man, the man has to learn uh, other words than right and wrong in marriage and in our church life. You cannot go around in the church saying, you are right, you are wrong, you are right, you are wrong. No, we don't use, yeah, life is deeper than that. What is it? Relationship. You don't, you, you don't go around saying what is right and wrong. What do you do? You, you, you have patience. Okay. You have love. You have meekness. Marriages are not about right and wrong. Uh, you take a shower, like I'm talking about, like you take a shower, just everyday life. You throw the towel on the floor. Well, your wife says, you, would you hang up the towel, please? Like, don't do that. That's wrong. Does she say that? That's wrong. What do you, what, you grew up in a barn or something? <laughs> hey, you don't throw the towel on the floor. Well, I do in my world. I throw it on the floor. Okay, right and wrong. What's the relationship? It's love, patience, kindness, forbearance. If you want the towel hung up, no problem. I understand. I think it is even better that the towel is hanging up. Right? That's right. Somebody in the back said, that's right. Okay, right and wrong. You have to shift to other words and learn other words. When your wife does something wrong, you, you have to realize, okay, that's in, in my mind, it is wrong, and it really is wrong, but then I want to have a relationship with her. So I, I listen to her. I understand her. I say, maybe you're having a hard time. I want to be there to support you. I love you. I pray for you. I encourage you. Wow, what a great life we have. I am so thankful. You see, different words. Right and wrong is like, like, where do we go with that? I am right, you are wrong. I said the other day, this really happened. One, one lady, I was uh, 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 in the church, and she told me I got divorced because of the toilet seat conflict in our house. My wife said the toilet seat is to be up, and I said it's to be down. Really? That ruined your marriage? I don't think so. I think this did. That you couldn't get beyond right and wrong and be patient and be kind and forbearing and long-suffering. I mean, is it really a problem for a guy to put it down or up or whatever way it's supposed to put the whole thing down? 
Why don't you just go out and, and go in the backyard and use the bush in the backyard? You know, what is, what is this craziness that David is going to go kill Nabal and Abigail comes out and she's basically in a timeout. You are of higher dignity, higher calling. You are anointed to be king one day and don't let this small potatoes hijack you from your calling and what you are called to do. You are a great man, David. She's saying to him, you are a great man. Uh, so let's take the lesson. I don't know how it applies to you and, and me exactly, but I just say that the new words will help us. And they are many times said in our New Testament. Paul is many times saying patience. You could count them. You, he's many times teaching us what love is many times about meekness and humility. And if we can learn those words, relate to our enemies and people around us, and fight the real battles, lead others in the faith, help others find Jesus, help others find the joy of our faith, have patience with joy. That's what changed the pagan world. The Roman Empire had paganism, the temples started to empty because paganism doesn't have a rational theology. They don't have things that you can actually build your life on. They don't have really the reality that God gives to us because he wants to make us higher than our enemies, greater than our sin, greater than our fear, greater than our small-mindedness. But we do need help to get there. And Abigail can help us. Some of you single guys say, yeah, I've been waiting for Abigail to show up in my life for a long time. Where is she? And I say, just keep going to this church and you'll probably find her if you walk with God. I'm not saying she'll be here, but I'm saying if you walk with God. And, by the way, if God wants you to be single Rejoice in it. All the married people say amen to that. If God wants them to be single, then rejoice in that. How about the married people said what? Amen. 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 Okay. You're very quiet right now. I don't know. I'm finished. Would you pray with me, please? You are here and you haven't started your spiritual journey by believing in Christ. Maybe you believed in God. I, I, I believe there are, could be people amongst us that maybe even come every week. But have you been born of God? Have you been born of the Spirit? Have you accepted Christ yet in your heart? It's between you and God. It can happen right now in this meeting. It can happen this afternoon. It can happen tonight or tomorrow. But make a decision. It's between you and God where you're saying in your heart, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe and trust in you. Thank you for your salvation. Thank you for forgiveness.
Thank you for loving me and dying for me and being raised from the dead for me. In Christ's name, I pray. Anyone saying that prayer, just raise your hand. The ushers will give you a booklet. There's the usher in the back. Anybody you want to raise your hand, say yes to Jesus. Yes to Jesus, anybody? We love to make a big deal about it because that's what happened to us. That on one day I said yes, my life changed. Yours also. Growing in him. Amen.